If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Howdy, hey. And uh, today we're joined by another special guest, uh, Pastor Andy Kinder. Uh, Pastor Andy, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. Awesome, awesome. And uh, when, uh, this show was really brought to everybody by our patrons. Um, they're just great people who support us over there on Patreon.com. Thank you guys so much for everything y'all do for us. Um, before we jump into the show, uh, we do like to uh, – well, first, let's, let's introduce today's topic. We're here with Pastor Andy. He's one of the pastors of the Church of God of Prophecy in South Carolina. He's at the Seneca Church of God of Prophecy, and um, he's a great guy. We know him from camp, and uh, well, I guess we know him from a few other church functions as well. Um, you know, the Church of God of Prophecy is the organization me and TJ are associated with, so we're excited to talk to him about our organization and ways that he think we can better achieve church unity. Um, before we do, want to review some audience engagement. Uh, usually we talk someone's answer, silly question or something, but uh, this last Sunday, um, guy goes to my church named Joe. Which is kind of ironic because that's my go-to name when I say, you know, Joe, what church? So now I, f- I feel like I need to stop doing that. Uh, he informed me that he listens to our show, which is awesome, and that uh, he just complimented our voices and said it sounded really good. And um, Joe, thank you so much for your words of encouragement and for listening to us ramble. It's uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and without further ado, we'll jump into today's silly question. Uh, it's just something we like to do at the beginning. Um, I believe, you know, just humor brings people together. So it's important for church unity too, you know? So today, uh, ultimate church unity question for the silly question will be, what do you think is a gingerbread man's favorite food? Uh, TJ, would you like to answer first? I can. So I have a problem with this question. Uh, yeah. Gingerbread men don't have internal organs. They can't eat. However, okay, explain the gingerbread man on the documentary Shrek. Then he doesn't eat. Uh, what do you? Does he not? No. You watch Shrek again. Tell me if he ever eats. Let me know. He doesn't. <laughs> but right. if they were able to eat, uh, I think they would like uh, something citrusy, like you know, oranges, maybe. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Pro- yeah, probably was, not gingerbread. Thinking. Yeah, I feel like you know. Most baked goods would probably fall somewhere in the like cannibalism range. You know, we don't want to go there. So, um, I was thinking ice cream actually for some reason. I was like, yeah, I just think they'd like ice cream. Who doesn't like ice cream? You know, understand, Pastor um, Andy. Uh, what do you think would be a gingerbread man's favorite food? Well, I had originally thought of something before we began today and thinking about what it might be. But you know, when you made that statement about Shrek, I thought about candy cane that he kind of carries around in his hand at times. Yeah. Or I've seen him fight with, I think, in that little part of the movie. 
So I'm going to go with candy cane. But yes, I agree with TJ. There are no internal organs in the gingerbread <laughs> man. So he can't eat. So yeah, there you go. And he can eat via magic. Mm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Uh, one thing we believe that is extremely useful for church unity and is not a silly question is to hear each other's stories. Uh, so, Pastor Andy, we were wondering if you could give us like the the elevator version of your testimony real quick. Sure, sure. I um, I grew up in the High Hill Church of God of Prophecy. Uh, that, that was where my mama's side of the family went. And uh, I was very much so uh, brought up in the church. And uh, my journey with the Lord began when I was a very young child. Brother Chucky Chandler uh, was running mm-hmm. a revival back in the mid-90s there at the church. And uh, he gave an altar call service. And I went to the altar. And I've always gave the testimony that there was absolutely no room in the altar. He had preached very well that night. And several had responded. Uh, and I had no place as a kid to go. And I went to the communion table. And I found myself a little place near the right leg or if I'm facing the right leg <laughs> and knelt there. And that's where I met the Lord. And uh, I grew up uh, ever since then being very active in the church. Um, of course, I began in, uh, in, in the church, of course, children's ministries and working up through youth myself. But I began working as a youth worker, even at the church uh, in the I was in my, I was about 15, if I'm not mistaken, when I began. And the Lord was slowly calling me into ministry. Uh, and uh, I responded and accepted that call. I was about 17 years old when I first preached uh, my official sermon. There was a time when I was 12 years old that I kind of sort of preached, if you know what I'm saying, at one of them uh, third <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, uh, excuse me, Sunday night youth meetings. But uh, I always count. 17 years old is when I really began preaching. And I traveled among Church of God of Prophecy, uh, Pentecostal Holiness, Church of God, uh, preached in those different denominations, just kind of like filling in Sunday nights, and doing yeah. different youth uh, meetings. And the Lord slowly transitioned me into the pastorate, actually by the age of 20, <laughs> is when I first entered pastoral ministry. And I, um, yeah, so uh, I have a long I guess from a child right on up to now, the Lord's been good to me. Man, that's that's really young, especially for our organization. I forget what the average is, but most of our ministers are kind of older. So, yeah, I want to say they're in the upper fifties is the last average I heard, but don't hold me to it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds that's right. True. Yeah. So, having been in Kogop your whole life, and Kogop is just kind of our our short term oh. for Church of God of Prophecy because no one feels like saying all that all the time. So having been, <laughs> yeah. So having been in Kogop since you were real little and having always preached in it and started young age up, what would you say makes the Church of God of Prophecy special, or at least to you? That that is a good question. I think one of the things that I noticed growing up was for, for me personally in the district that I grew up in, I saw a lot of unity among the church. And what I mean by that is when I would travel as an early minister, as a young minister, 17, 18 years old among different other denominations. I didn't see the similarity of how people necessarily worship. I, I knew they worshiped the Lord and they worshiped Jesus. But the one thing about Kogop that I loved was that we had similar DNA that was very much so prevalent and seen. We've got our weaknesses. 
Uh, we've got our areas that we need to improve. But I just love the fact that no matter where I went, I knew what they believed. And I, I just love that, that, that unifying spirit that was among the Kogon. And even among our, our younger ones, our youth and different ones, I see that. And, and, and also, I guess the other, the second point to that is love. I've never been in a Kogop. Now, now, others might, of course, disagree with me, but I've never went to a Kogop that somebody didn't at least shake my hand or hug my neck. Now, not everybody does. But, of course, I've been in some other you know, churches where I didn't experience that. But in the Kogop, I've always felt loved no matter the local church that I went to. All right. Yeah. The very amicable church. We yeah, are. We can relate to that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, do you do you have a favorite memory uh, at a Kogop function? At a Kogop function? Well, you know, just Kogop memory just in general. Just met us would work if you want to just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, one of my favorite memories was it was actually at a general assembly of, of the church. And it was one that was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I remember it was a Thursday evening. I don't don't hold me to the year or the date, but I just remember it was a thir- it was a Thursday night of the general assembly, and I was sitting in uh, on to the right of the stage and up on the in the chairs that went up like a civic center almost. Mm-hmm. And as I was sitting up there, I, I remember that the spirit kept moving on this thousands of people, you know, at the general assembly, and uh, different leaders would come to the stage and they would try to, I guess, stop. Or, you know, move it in another direction, I guess I, I really should say, and try to keep everybody on the same agenda. Uh, but there was no stopping what the Holy Ghost was up to doing. And a young man come out of the audience and walked up on stage where all of those presbyters and bishops were. <laughs> and they he grabbed the All Nations flag, the Kogot flag, and took it and began to just swing it back and forth across that stage. And walk out into the aisle and just began to move and people followed. And, you know, growing up, I would hear the stories in general assemblies of people acting and, and worshiping like that and moving. But I had never actually witnessed that in that mass of crowd of people. But when I got to see that in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, it was really moving to me. And it's one of those times in Kogop, my, my, my history with Kogop, that I point to and I say, man, I'm so glad I got to be there to watch the Holy Ghost do something that big, you know, with that many people and to see see the worship and the freedom of worship among these people. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, TJ, do, do you mind if I ask an extra question? Go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, TJ's the boss and he keeps me from taking up too much time. Um, so... Obviously, I've been at I've been at some great Kogop revivals and functions like that where we see really exciting things like that, and that's one thing that really I think um, it's kind of a, a token of our church is that we're just we're very passionate worshipers, and sure. the spirit can move at any time and that kind of stuff. Um, something I really appreciate about our church, but also I know a lot of our listeners have never been to a Pentecostal service or anything like that, and uh, I have to imagine at least some of our other, you know, theologians who like to listen probably would like to know, um, how do we balance that idea and that passion that for worship with the ideas that uh, Paul talks about, you know, basically not scaring off people who are coming into the church? Sure, sure. 
That's a very good question. Um, you know, the, the way to think about it is that you, we don't want to scare anybody out. We, we, we want everybody, sinner, whoever, stra- uh, stranger, uh, a guest that comes in our local church or even into our assemblies to come and to, you know, feel love and to feel not scared. You know, why is that person speaking in tongues? Why is that person running the aisles? Uh, but, but the thing that I've always thought about with the Apostle Paul is that there is an understanding that there is a time and a place for everything. You know, we hear that uh, from the Old Testament. For everything, there is a season. I think that applies in worship as well. So we have a season where we are passionate worshipers and we allow the Holy Spirit to use us whatever way he wants to. But at the same time, there's the other element or the other side of it. We have to use our you know, God-given wisdom for what he gives us and know that if someone is not understanding of that or they don't know what it's about that we you know try to help bring them along I, i've noticed in the past right now i've had people to come up later and say well why why was so-and-so speaking in tongues or why was there an interpretation why wasn't there an interpretation why all these questions and i try to say you know uh, everybody worships differently and uniquely and there is a reverent way that we worship but at the same time we want to as as you have seen in revivals, both of y'all have stated with God, the passion, we, we want to yield to the Holy Ghost and we do not want to quench the spirit. We don't want to hold back what he has. Another thing I'd like to add, and I'll try to make this my last point for the sake of time. I myself have been, have been guilty of standing, say, on the front pew and worship starts and, you know, someone, hey, take a run down the aisle or, or, or just holler out in the spirit. And, and my first thought is I've got a guest and I've probably, we've probably just scared them and they're probably not coming back. Um, but at the same time, I, I try to remind myself uh, that, you know, the Lord can take care of his own self. In other words, they might not understand it, but sometimes if it's the Holy Ghost moving, I have got to trust that he knows what's best and that the Christians and me included are being obedient no matter what, because at the end of the day, it isn't good sermons and it is not good songs that saves anybody. It always begins with the wooing by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has to convict someone of their sins. And so if he is in the house, whether in the shout or in the cry, and I trust that he can convict and that he can change lives. And so I, at the end of the day, just put it in his hands when it comes to something that I'm concerned about somebody, you know, getting scared off. In church. Yeah. Right. Man, that's, that's really helpful. Thank you. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You could share this episode on your own social media. You can donate to us on Cash App with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever great podcasts are found. You could rate us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or you could sign up for our newsletter on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Yeah, especially that last one. It's the best way for you to be connected with us and what we're doing with the podcast. 
Yeah. And we have a devotion on there and a word of the month. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. It's in Hebrew or Greek. You want to get back to the show? Yes. Right. So, yeah, you kind of touched on this earlier. You mentioned you'd like to go around to the church and see the unity. Uh, What is the greatest example of unity you have seen in the church? Oh, this is an easy question. I promise. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) Um, And I guess I can say it in one one of two, well, two ways, but I'll give you the lesser and then the one I really, really like. How about let me do it in that order? The first is the, the greatest unity to me that I see in the Church of God of Prophecy is in the worship. When someone goes to an altar, whether it's after a sermon or whether it is before or, or even during, say, a praise team leading worship, congregation in worship, uh, I've seen a person go to the altar and get down there on their knees and pray. And all of a sudden, you've got an altar full of people. Maybe none of them are kneeling down to pray for them for their own selves, but they are praying for that one person. And they are, you know, unified in prayer. And I have always loved to see that, that we do not try to leave people alone. Now, I know that there are exceptions to that, of course, and that there are times that people's probably experienced going to an altar and being by themselves. But I have seen so often the minister or, or you know, someone, if not a host of people, come out of the pews just to go pray with somebody to lay, you know, to lay on the hands and to believe in unity together that the Lord's going to do something for that person. Now, the second thing I would say for unity that I really, really like is there is a day that is marked, and and I'm pointing back to the General Assembly for some reason today, that during our General Assembly, that they have what is called um, the the March of the Nations. And uh, the All Nations flag comes in first, and behind it, as the Bahama Brass Band is playing, you know, very upbeat music from the stage, every nation, and I want to say it's 130-some nations now, uh, every nation that the Church of God Prophecy is in has a flag, and it's marching up there on that stage. And when it gets up there, it's not like we see the all-nations flag and then the United States flag trying to make it the more dominant-looking you know, flag, but rather it's, it's uniform in the sense that we do it alphabetically, and as these nations come in, they all get prominence on the stage, and I have always thought that that was a beautiful image of the Church of God of Prophecy around the world, because you can see that we have an influence all over the place. And that, but at the same time, while we're many people of many nations, of many languages, that I, let's just say, all I know is English. Yeah. But of all these diverse uh, people, the, the languages, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what country or continent we reside on, all those flags go on that stage behind one flag, the all nation flag. And it is a symbol that we are one church, that we are part of the body of Christ, and that we are one. As the Father and the Son, the Spirit make up one, we are one. And I just love that image of unity in our church. Uh, yeah, I do love watching that. That's such a cool thing to see. Oh, yes. Sure if you've never been a part of it, that is something. That that's really my favorite part of the entire general assembly. Not you know, uh, yeah. kind of cutting anybody's preaching, but I just <laughs> love to see that. It's it's really powerful. It's really cool. All right, so you know there are those great moments of unity, but you know we've also had some some shortcomings. Uh, what what yeah. would you say is 
the area in which we can most improve in regards to unity? Communication. Um, that's one word is probably my biggest thing. Um, I can expound on it, but communication, uh, whether it's communication from international to the state and the state to the local. Um, but I do believe that every organization has their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, while I believe that the COGOP has a strength in love and unity, I do believe we have a weakness in communication. And that a lot of times, uh, while our bishops and those over us in the Lord, they are doing the best they know to do. I feel that sometimes information, uh, the, the ideas of what's going to happen or go on or any changes doesn't really get down to the, the pastor. And, and then it's not communicated very well from a pastor to the local congregants quite as well either. Um, sometimes I believe that if, if there was a way that every region, that nation, region, or state could communicate not just to pastors, but in general uh, to the members and attendees of, uh, of even local Kogop churches, it would begin to, one, it would, it would help them understand who the Kogop is, and then two, what's going on. And, and an example of that is we'll, we'll just take uh, youth camp for an example. You know, youth camp has always got to be pushed at the local level by the pastor. Um, and, and that's good. But at the same time, if the communication level could begin above the pastor and spread out over uh, every attendee, uh, every congregant, and whether that is social media or some type of email or some type of newsletter that could be general in nature, um, I think that would get the information out there quicker and it might even help clear up some of the muddy water when it comes to communication. Right. So we need like a denomination wide one call. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we do one call instead of, I love one call. Um, yeah. One call now is a big deal that we do here. Uh, that helps a lot with communication and keeping everybody on the same track. And I think one call is good um, uh, for the state. I'll tell you this just kind of as an, as an ideal. In District 1, um, our regional presbyters, uh, Brother John Brown, he pastors our Easley Church. And one of the things that I spoke with him about, this was, you know, really two years ago, was about using Seneca's one call system, setting up a subgroup for our pastors when we have our meetings. And so we use it. And every month, um, we actually send a call out to the pastors in our district. And we have our meetings every month. Uh, we have a, a breakfast together every month in district one and one call clears up any miscommunication. They know when it's going to be, um, they know where it's going to be. They know the address and there's no question. Um, but so yeah, one call is a really good example of that. Yeah, All technology right. really helps with that kind of stuff. Um, and just a, just a general observation. I don't know what to make of this, but, but I will say it, it definitely seems like um, where, where I'll say a lot of your high liturgical churches in my viewpoint lack some of their uh, ability to let the spirit take over the service and that's why i'm not huge on liturgy but um you tend to see those more highly liturgical churches that are a lot more organized do really well in communication and that yes. it's just a just an observation but yes take it for what you will um <laughs> no, you're right but, uh, i agree with you yeah that's one of those ways we can uh i guess learn from each other in the church right that's right that's um, right so, uh, Pastor Andy, do you have a fa 
speaking of unity, do you have a favorite Bible verse about unity or love or anything like that? That's um, a unifying verse, I guess. Um, well, let's just face it. Unity is a big thing in, in the scriptures, right? Um, we see it among Godhead. We see it everywhere uh, as far as what the Lord is telling us. But in the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm trying to remember the, the scripture and verses slipped my mind, but I was thinking about where the Lord says, I am the Lord, thy God, uh, you know, I am one. And when I think of that verse so often, it really, really jumps at me about how, well, he's one, you know, and, and we are supposed to call on him. And, and, and he is not just father, he is his father, son, and Holy Spirit. And then Jesus speaks very clearly about how he and the father are one. And so I think about how as a church, if, if the Godhead is one, if they are unified, then we too should be unified. We too should be uh, consistent in what we do. Oh, yeah. Which um, I, I believe it's Deuteronomy 6, six 4, four. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that um, sounds right. Uh, Jewish believers refer to that as the Shema. It's like a, it's yes. what they used to like have on their foreheads and right. stuff. And That's right. A really important part of that religion. It's what makes it harder for some people to understand Christianity because they don't think we have one God, but we do, like you were saying. And um, yes, one. I always wondered if Jesus's words that the church would be one as he and the father are one, if that was sort of like a nod at the Shema, like, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Or right. That yes. just happened to and be it is. Words. It is. I think everything... Uh, when it comes to uh, him saying that, it, it's, it's pointing right back. See, that's the foundational scripture of of who of who God is, as far as His uh, nature and His character, of who He is as as one. Um, even down, if if you want to compare the two scriptures, uh, looking back at the burning bush, uh, when you know when Moses says, "Well, who, who sent me?" and Jesus uh, makes the uh, well, you know, God makes the statement at that time. Moses didn't know it was. Uh, probably a Christophany with Christ, but he was speaking. He says, I, you know, I am. In other words, I am the great I am. And then if you flash forward to Christ in the book of John, when they came to arrest him in the garden, they asked him if, if, if he was you know, Jesus. And, and in the Greek, he says, ego a me, which again says, I am in the gospel of John and only in the gospel of John, those that are arresting him fall to the ground. Um, again, giving a nod back to that oneness, to, to who he is, and the unity of Godhead. And so I think all of the unity, what, you know, when it comes to us as church folk, uh, us together and then us with God, the vertical and the horizontal relationship, all hinges on the fact that God is one and that he is holy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, just to add to that, and I'll, I'll be done because this is just something I've been looking at recently that I find really interesting. Um, if you look at that verse he's talking about in Exodus with the burning bush, yeah, uh, you'll notice that God is present, but also the angel of the Lord is present in the bush. Sure, which is one of those things that make you think: Is the angel of the Lord right? Calls the word angel does not necessarily mean. You know, I know it's a whole debate. A created but, heavenly being all the time. It can mean messenger. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Interesting. So, uh, you know, you've been a pastor for for a good long while now. You know, longer than me, at least. Uh, what is a, a passion of yours in ministry that you enjoy talking about? Well, um, I, I kind of have, I guess, two two passions. The first, my, my heart is for uh, seeing leaders developed, and I and I guess that's really where 
my my primary thought is I love to see people who are you know just saved, got a fire and a zeal for the Lord, and all of a sudden they want to study and learn the Word of God, and then they want to know doctrine, they want to understand, and then they need to be developed. Uh, so so that type of development, leadership development, is very very big on my heart to see, and it's a passion of mine to to speak about um, ha- having vision, having mission, you know, pushing. Uh, goals, you know, understanding that. And then a, a second passion of mine, more on, a, I guess, a, a, a level uh, for a local church and their spiritual growth is, is learning what it means to yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, letting letting go of the steering wheel is, is a way to, to look at it and to say to God, God, you know, I'm going to yield to your spirit. I think, you know, generation beyond two, maybe even two generations before me were, were so... Um, you know, they were in tune, seemed like, with the Spirit so much that they were willing to give over and to allow God to do just whatever in their lives. And I think that we are very comfortable in our society. You know, we, we go to church and we don't have to worry about sitting on hard pews or getting splinters. Uh, we don't worry about trying to pray for a breeze in the summer to come through the, the hole in the wall. But it's, there's now a window. And we've got HVAC. And we're just so comfortable in, in our settings. And I think we forget that we still have an obligation uh, to yield to the Holy Spirit. And, and so that is a, a big passion as well in my heart, yielding to the, the Spirit, worshiping and letting God just, you know, do what God needs to do. Because the, the reality is these, you know, I hear a lot of preachers that sound really good. They've got singers, you know, that's what I call them. They've got these one-liners that, sound like, you know, you want to go, mm, man, that sounds good. But then at the <laughs> same time, you want to say, will that carry? You know, what will it really take me to Monday? Is it going to take me to Wednesday? And and when we have an experience with the Holy Ghost and take him with us into our work or take him with us into the next week, uh, there 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 is more than just a one liner there. There is fruit that only God can give. And so I'm, I'm, I do believe in that very strongly. Awesome. Bring back uncomfortable sanctuaries. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just I don't mean as we get rid of our pews <laughs> or get rid <laughs> yeah. of the HVAC units, but I've, I've gone on mission trips down into the Amazon uh, on more than one occasion. And I've been out there and I've been in the middle of a shack where there is nothing but just poles holding up this roof that is overlaid with palm branches. And, you know, I've seen standing there, these ministers and wives who have nothing, these people, what we would consider as Americans, nothing. Let me clarify that. But they are so spiritual and so in tune with God and are so thankful for what they have. They, no, you know, they could care less. They were standing on dirt floors and had absolutely no walls, just sticks holding this roof up that they could meet under. It was the best thing ever to them. And we, we get so comfortable Sometimes in our setting that we don't, we, we just forget that it's not about the buildings. It's not about the steeples. It's, it's about an audience of one. It's about God. It's about yielding to his spirit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just to uh, just to clarify, uh, before our audience um, pulls a T-Swift like uh, like Pastor Andy suggested and uh, let Jesus take the wheel. Uh, also do like you said, and make sure the spirit's guiding you to that, because if you just let right. go of the wheel, it could end up bad. <laughs> It can, yeah. We call that wildfire. Yeah, the, the Bible also says don't tempt God, so you just make sure it's yeah, him, right. you know? That's right. Um, 
Yeah. So one thing we always like to ask our guests, um, we, we like to ask if you could just give a single tangible and practical thing that our listeners, you know, your everyday lay people of the church can just go do. And this one action is going to help better maintain unity. What would it be? Well, what's that one? Say that uh, question one more time. Uh, yeah. If you just had to give a single practical action that people could go do to help better maintain unity, what would it be? Well, I think the one single thing that they could do uh, to to bring unity uh, is to learn how to reach out to our neighbors and our people around us when they're hurting, like if the church folk is not a, is not there, if someone doesn't attend church, or if someone in your neighborhood is not present, to show them love. Because unity is not accomplished just because we gather under the name Church of God Prophecy. Unity is accomplished through the love that we show each other. And so if there's one practical thing they could do, it could be acts of love. It might be baking a cake for someone. It might be a phone call. Um, it might be reaching out to someone and just telling them, you know, how much you love them and, and showing them, showing them. So practically show love. Uh, and I guarantee you, unity follows. All right. Uh, check your own people every now and then. All right. Uh, what, what do you think we'll see change in the church if we all start doing that? Oh, goodness. Man, if, if we all showed love like Jesus, it would it would change rapidly. I mean, you, you wouldn't even it would be monumental. I mean, no matter what church you went to, it wouldn't matter if, if, if there was Methodist or Baptist or Kogop or whatever on your side. Love is love is the very thing that God challenges us to, to show each other. And so if we all did that, it would change how we react to each other. And it would also, I think, change our our perspective, not just among each other, but I think the world would see that and we would be known by that. And, and the world would want to change and, and, and to be more like Christ if we truly showed love and not judgment, you know, truly showed that the, the heart of God. Right. And we want to see that. That's what we like to see. Yes. yes. So uh, the the last segment we do on on our show before we get into the, the outro stuff is called our God Moment segment. We just share a moment from recently in our lives where we saw God and, you know, moment of worship, challenge, blessing, anything like that. And uh, I just I always like to make Josh go first. Gives me more time to think. Uh, so, Josh, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah, I actually already told TJ this moment, but I'm going to mention it again. Um, yeah, so just today, actually, I um, found out that I'm going to be able to attend NGU to finish my uh, – degree in biblical studies. I got, I got probably a little less than a year left, something like that. I'm still having to work with the academic advisors, figure out what classes exactly I need to take. But um, I got that figured out, some of the funding figured out for it. And um, yeah, it's been a big day. And that, that's just a huge blessing and a challenge to do better than the last time I tried to go to school. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. We uh, So mine, uh, as has been in the past, is, is really just about spending time with people. I love spending time with people, especially good, godly people. Uh, my my friend Stone and I, we went out yesterday, downtown Greenville, uh, found this cool little restaurant in, uh, you know, downtown Greenville. And he said it was like one of the best burgers he's ever eaten. So I was like, okay, Stone, we'll go. Uh, it was all right. I, I wouldn't say it was top three, but uh, once we got there, we realized that uh, they show hockey games. So we're like, you know. <laughs> This was like for lunch. Was like, you know, we might as well just hang out for the next uh, six to 10 hours. And 
you know, watch the game. And he was like, yeah, all right. I ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> so, you know, just spent the day hanging out downtown Greenville, went for a walk, <laughs> got to see a bunch of the city that I'd never seen before, uh, which is super cool. And, you know, I just want to thank God for giving me that opportunity that I can walk and that I can spend time with friends. It's a, it's a great thing. So that moment just so typifies what I expect you to say when we do our God moment segments. Like if I were to make up a segment for you, it would be very close to exactly what you just said. I, I could make it even more typified. I could stereotype <laughs> even harder. I met a Boston By Bruins that fan. You also play ping pong? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I met a Boston Bruins fan and he's, he's the only polite Boston Bruins fan I've ever met. I like, you know, God always <laughs> likes to show the light in the dark. But uh, perfect. Anyway, um, <laughs> Pastor Andy, do you have a God moment for us this week? Sure, sure. Um, I I tell you, there are there are times that I just like to be able to get away by myself and just experience the Lord, uh, you know, in, in prayer. And uh, so this week, it was actually yesterday. I was able to get away, and, and as I did, it was not nothing major. It was just. Went off to a uh, like a camp, if it makes any sense, like a park, I should say. And uh, there was someone there that I, I was able just to talk to. They they were passing by, and uh, the name of this individual was Mark. And uh, I don't really know him from Adam, uh, but we just started talking about the Lord. It wasn't nothing huge as far as you know us getting together, and I'm really learning them. But I got to, you know, he, he saw the Bible. I usually take a Bible with me when I go off like that. And he just was and read it privately. He was asking me about it. So I was able to just kind of speak with him uh, very briefly about the Lord. And, and to me, that was a big God moment because you never know what those little moments can do in spice. Right. Awesome. I'll, I always love to hear that. That's uh, so uh, thank you so much for your time, Andy. Uh, thank you all for listening to this point. Got a little bit more for you. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You know, just share it with someone who you think will listen or hate it and tell a bunch of other people to hate it. Uh, you know, no such thing as bad pu- publicity. So if you got really upset when Josh said a T-Swift moment, Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, let us know, because that's a yeah, Carrie start, Underwood start song. Thread on Twitter. Yeah. Is it? Yes, that huh. is Carrie Underwood. Anyway. Listen, I would never know. I don't. I don't listen to that kind of stuff. That song's kind of garbage. Now you can really hate us on Twitter. There um, you go. He's in trouble. <laughs> hey, uh, Pastor Andy, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, where can people go to hear more from you or follow your ministry in Seneca? Sure, uh, they can go to Seneca, c o g o p dot org, uh, and on that, uh, that's our webpage. Uh, they can also go to the. Facebook page, which is the full name of the church, Seneca Church God Prophecy. Look us up and click the like uh, button, and they can uh, on Facebook. We actually put our services out there uh, every every Sunday morning service is a live feed. We've actually even been doing that before, COVID. and so we've got several services up there. If you want to hear any of the past sermons or services, you can go to the SenecaCogod.org and click on the link about our services, and then it will actually redirect you to the Facebook. Awesome. 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 So, some future guests for the podcast. We've got uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, author of Unseen Realms and host of the Naked Bible Podcast. Uh, Return guest, good friend of ours, uh, Pastor Chris Galloway. 
uh, former Mennonite Christian life coach Gloria Godron. And uh, of course, at the end of season one, we are going to have Francis Chan. Because yeah, he just hasn't yeah. agreed yet. Mm-hmm. Season one won't end until we get Francis Chan. Yeah, uh, so we hope he right. agrees eventually. Right. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for listening. Y'all have a good one. We hope you're back here next week. And we so enjoy your support.